0: blog talk radio
1: presented by Deep Fried Draft. My name is Brian Bosarge. i uh, got a great show ahead of you today. We're going to speak to the creator of Fanspeak, everybody's favorite uh, mock draft simulator, Steve Schaup. going to talk to him about uh, Fanspeak. We're going to talk to him about Red, the Redskins. And a little bit more, uh, everybody who listened to last week's show, thank you. We had a great guest, uh, Jeff Risden, uh, from the... Uh, managing editor of Lion's Wire and Brown's Wire on the USA Today uh, host of networks. So uh, without further ado, without further ado, let's bring in our guest now. He is the man behind Fan the mock draft simulator everybody uses during draft season and an expert on D.C. sports. My guest today, Steve Schaup. Steve, how, y- how are you today?
0: I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Hey, man. Uh, always great seeing you down here at Mobile during Senior Bowl week. Uh, always end up sitting by you in the press box, which is always fun. And uh, So how, are, how have you been since I last saw you there?
0: Well, uh, doing well. Obviously, the draft season was extremely busy. Um, you know, we keep growing and growing and uh, keep trying to provide a you know good product for, for draft fans out there and NFL fans out there to – you know, to simulate the draft and get an idea of who might be around when, and also just get people familiar with later round draft prospects. I mean, everyone talks about the first round or the top 50, but, um, you know, we we provide uh, 300 player lists. I know you do one every year or the last couple of years, and we really appreciate that. And we love having all these different voices out there that people can can see their top 300 big boards. And, Um, You know, get some familiar with three, four hundred players, because not everyone, of course, has the same uh, same top 300. So uh, that really helps. I I think that helps, um, you know, educate fans and uh, get people excited for, you know, some of these later round guys and undrafted guys that now maybe they're a little bit more familiar with.
1: Yeah, I enjoy uh submitting my top 300 uh to FanSpeak. Uh, it gets a lot of exposure uh for my website, you know, cuz people see that and then they go and look at my, you know, everything else that I do. But uh just give me a little background on how uh, how FanSpeak got started there with the simulator. So
0: we'd started uh FanSpeak a couple years prior. Um to we launched the simulator in 2014 and yeah, and I I started going down to the Senior Bowl in 2012, and you know that started driving traffic, gaining more recognition, and you know meeting all the guys who are down there, and and um and interviewing the players, and it's just such a great experience uh, for anyone in media who gets a chance to go down there, and I know you'll agree with that, and uh, but you know I come to find you know everyone loves their mock drafts, and while they're not necessarily the most predictable, um. You know, tool, I do think they offer a lot of information for fans. The problem being is if you try and do a mock draft longer than even the first round, people will say well, player X will never be there in the second round. Uh, I remember I had a Packer fan tell me there's no way the Packers will get Eddie Lacy in the second round because he'll be long gone. Well, they ended up getting Eddie Lacy in the second round. And, you know, so I just thought there has to be some way where we can do this and create plausible scenarios for fans uh, and media to, to use and, and to post their mock drafts where they can, you know, have plausible scenarios of who the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth through seventh round picks will be. And yeah. so it came up with this idea, and I worked with our developer and um, just kind of ran with it from there.
1: I'll tell you what it is for me and other people like me. I know it's a great content creator during – during the months of February before the draft, because you go in, you can do a simulation of each team's mock draft that you want to do. And you there, bam, you have a whole, whole piece. You can write about, you know, mock drafts and such, but uh, I want to change it up a little bit. I know you're, uh, you're big into the Redskins being from the DC area there. So I want to talk to you about them a little bit, because I haven't really talked to anybody about uh Washington since the draft, but, uh, I got to find out about this Alabama obsession that uh, Washington <laughs> seems seemingly has had the last couple of years. We know why uh, Ozzie Newsom with Baltimore. He went to Alabama got that connection. But this year they drafted Ron Payne in the first round, come back with Sean Dion Hamilton in the sixth. Who is it in the front office of Washington that is, that is piped into Nick Saban?
0: <laughs> you know, I, people uh, have wondered um, who exactly the, the connection is. I, I just think – I think there's a lot of connection. Um, I think you know Doug Williams has always had a, a strong presence in the South. Uh, you know He's gotten elevated with uh, Scott McLuhan being pushed out in D.C. and just some of the other guys in the scouting staff. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is the one thing the Redskins had for the longest time is they had a, a a serious culture issue where they'd sign these big high-priced free agents and they just wouldn't mesh together and they had no concept of of playing as a team and winning and you know we can say a lot about um you know great prospects around the league but the one thing they can't can't say is unless they're from bama is that they win you know at, at a consistent consistent basis and yeah i mean players go to Alabama, and if they're there four years, they're probably in the national championship game for three of them. You know, that's just nuts. So um, I I think the Redskins wanted a culture shift. I I think they wanted, obviously, the level of competition of the SEC. It's the best of the best. They're the highly recruited guys. And, you know, every guy who gets recruited to Alabama, not only is he a five-star guy, but he's competing with other four- and five-star guys on his team for his starting job. And he can never look back. Nothing's taken for granted at Alabama and some of these other SEC schools. So I think that that's a conscious decision. Then Alabama, I mean, they win. So you add that winning culture. Um, so I think that's that's the big thing. That now two straight years, you know, last year was Johnson, Allen, and Ryan Anderson. This year, like you said, it's Deron Payne and Sean Dion Hamilton. Like they are, they're really like that Alabama connection and you know I don't know if it will be a first rounder every year but I wouldn't be surprised to see an Alabama player drafted most years by the Redskins for the foreseeable future
1: well as long as Nick Saban's uh, coaching at Bama you can guarantee they're going to have multiple first round picks there because like you said it's 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 just every year they're in top if they're not the top rated recruiting class they're in the top five and it's 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 amazing how he gets all that talent there But uh, let's uh, let's, uh, move on there. We talked about Deron Payne there and Sean Dion Hamilton. Second round, Darius Geis. Seemingly, it's a steal. I mean, everybody mocked him in the first round. Probably should have been a first-round pick based on his talent alone, but had some, for some reason, some off-the-field issues that teams uh, knocked him for. What is a realistic – from a Redskins perspective and a fantasy perspective we can expect from uh, Darius Geis in 2018?
0: Well, you know, I really think uh, from a fantasy perspective, and this is obviously also a Redskins perspective, I think Darius Geis could be this year's Green Hunt. And, um, you know, obviously you have the connection now of Alex Smith coming over. So he's going to go to a situation with a, a quality quarterback Redkins have a good offensive line, assuming they can stay healthy. That's one thing they were not able to do last year. Their offensive line was extremely banged up. Morgan Moses, the right tackle, was the only player to to play in all 16 games, and even he had to miss a half here or, or a quarter there due to uh, bumps and bruises. Um, so, you know, but I really look at Darius Geis as a similar thing. I mean, Kareem Hunt was not the top running back selected. I think he was like the sixth running back selected in his draft class, and he just ran away with it, and uh, obviously there was an injury in front of him in camp. I think Geis has that starting role a little bit more firm right now, and Chris Thompson will handle the passing work. But Kareem Hunt had to sit, share a lot of the third-down duties with Sh- Sharkhandrick West last year. And if you look at his snap count, he was only on the field about a little over 60% of the time, and I would expect Geis to be at a similar rate. Um, so I, I think Geis could could actually end up being the top fantasy running back this year. I mean, you know, obviously it depends from a a PPR perspective. You might get somebody – his catches will probably be capped somewhat, but probably total yardage, total touchdowns he'll he'll lead in those departments. Um, Catches, you know, might put him at a little bit disadvantage. i probably only expect like 30 to 40 catches tops uh, with Chris Thompson, as long as Chris Thompson can remain healthy. But, you know, I think think, uh, the Redskins have looked at it, you know, the last three years – They've been a competitive team. They want. They went to the playoffs one year. Um, you know, they they've been competitive the other two years. Last year, they were really competitive until uh, uh, about week eleven, and then injuries just really started to pile up. I mean, they they were on their like third string offensive lineman at two positions for the last couple games of the year. They were on their fifth, fifth you know, fourth or fifth string running back. Um, they, you know. They had their fourth and fifth string line inside linebackers playing. So it was just a mess down the stretch for the Redskins. So I think they look at it that the one thing we've lacked is a running game these last couple of years. We can get that if we actually stay healthy. It's a, it's a competitive division, but we think we can be, remain competitive with getting the veteran Alex Smith to replace Cousins.
1: You mentioned the offensive line in their third round pick Jerron Christian from Louisville. Guy wasn't very high on I had him like a fifth, sixth round grade. Goes in the third round here at pick 74. I just I watched all enough Louisville games because of Lamar Jackson and you, and you can't help but notice he's running for his life a lot. And Jerron Christian was one of the reasons he had to run for his life. Uh what do you think about that third round pick?
0: I thought it was a little high. I kind of had him as like a fourth round guy, kind of in that 100 to 125 range. I thought he's a raw tackle prospect, and and I think the Reds can see him the same way. I don't think this was a pick for this year. I think, uh, you know, I think they're looking from a long term term depth standpoint um, because Ty Naseki who's been an, an admirable swing tackle for him these last couple of years. He's going to be a free agent after this year, and he's in his thirties already. He got a later start to his NFL career, so I don't think they want to invest money in him beyond this year. Um, and then the other thing I think they look at long term is Trent Williams. You know, he was drafted in 2010, and we just saw, you know, Joe Thomas, who had never been reti- never been injured before last year, retire. Uh, you know, kind of out of the blue. And a lot of these offense tackles, because they are making such good money now, they're they're having nine, 10, 11-year careers, no longer the Jackie Slater 20-year careers in the NFL. And, um, you know, I think they look at it that Trent Williams had a lot of injuries throughout his career. While he's one of the best tackles in the game right now, maybe two, three years from now he might decide just to hang him up. So I think they look at it from a long-term perspective. This is a guy we hope we can mold and develop, but I, I think he's a project. I would, I actually wouldn't be surprised and this is kind of why I was against taking him in the top three rounds, is I don't even know if he'll be active on game days most weeks just because I think he's so raw um, that I don't think you can count on him to come in in an injury situation in the middle of a game. Uh, So I, I thought it was a bit of a reach, but I do see some upside with him. I mean, from his physical standpoint and athletic standpoint, there is some upside there, but... Uh, I did think it was a bit of a reach pick and probably not a guy who's going to contribute much to them as a rookie, which you typically want some contribution from a third-rounder. All
1: right, last question on their 2018 draft. Uh, who was your favorite day three pick? Ooh,
0: um, I actually like, really liked what they did on day three. Um, and I could honestly I, – I was very happy with every every day three pick, so I think you can make a case for all of them. But I, I have to go with Tim Settle, um, fifth-round pick, Virginia Tech. You know, he's a guy who a lot of people were saying – some were saying second round, some, but a lot of people were definitely saying third, fourth round, um, and he's a run plugger. And that's what they need. And, you know, a guy like Payne, who they take in the first round, he can play uh, the five technique. So you could have a, you know, early down situation where it's – Payne at at one five tech spot, John Jonathan Allen at the other five tech spot and Tim Settle in the middle. And then when it's more of a passing down situation you bring in Matt Ioannidis, who who really showed up last year, um and moved Payne back into the nose tackle. So I really like Settle. I don't think he's ever gonna be like a you know, a fifty, sixty percent player, um or more, but I think he's gonna be a really good run defender and a, a guy who contributes for those 15, 20 snaps a a game.
1: Yeah, I agree there. Also, like a couple of the undrafted guys, they brought in Quinn Blanding, Simi Cobbs. I thought those were two uh, good signings that could make an impact, uh, perhaps.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, again, I I really thought, I was really happy with some of these, uh, you know, day three guys. And like you said, some of those undrafted guys. I mean, I think, and a couple guys like Martise Carter, the running back, um, you know, he's probably a practice squad guy. But, you know, there's there's some long-term depth options behind Darius Geis or a Danny Johnson corner who's going to compete with their seventh rounder, mm-hmm. Greg Strawman for a spot. You know, I thought those were um, some, some good later round picks or undrafted guys as well.
1: All right, let's go back to the draft a couple of years ago. And uh, Josh Dotson is the guy I wanted the Bengals to draft a couple of- – picks they Redskins get him a couple picks before the Bengals do but he hasn't done Jack in two years is this a year he breaks out
0: you know I, I think it is I think his first year he got injured late in camp tried to play through it was not good and they shut him down after you know four or five weeks whatever the case was and so you know last year was kind of like his rookie year. And the thing we got to remember outside of the crazy 2014 draft of, you know, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, all those guys, receivers do not produce early. They just don't. You, you know, you look at since that draft, um, look at the first round receivers. I mean, outside of Amari Cooper, it's been bad. And, and you look at the year that uh, Doxon was drafted. You look at the other first rounders. I mean, Corey Coleman's done absolutely nothing. Laquan Treadwell can't get on the field. Um you know, Will Fuller has kind of had a similar career where he's had some flash, some splash plays, some big catches, but not consistent. Also, he's had some injuries. Not as much stocks. and and, and even like second and third rounders. I mean, you might find one guy who, who's really produced in that time frame, but you know, it takes receivers three years. for For whatever reason, you know, outside of that like 2014 class or you know those can't miss receivers of like the Calvin Johnson's or Larry Fitzgerald's you really don't see receivers produce in their first year or two. And this even goes for like some better players like a Roddy white, his first year. I don't think he was that productive. Um, You know, he was a late first rounder when he was drafted and others. I mean, again, there are exceptions like AJ green and and whatnot, but um, it's, it's pretty consistent that we don't see receivers produce early in their careers. And the injury didn't help, but I think docks now it is on him, you know. Um, there, there's he's got to produce. He's got to put up or shut up at this point, and I think he could. Um, he he definitely showed some flashes. And whether he has a better connection with Alex Smith or not, we'll see. Um, but there's it's got to be his year because Crowder is their slot guy, and he'll be consistent in that role. And Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis will you know put up good tight end production for as long as Reed is healthy and they, you know, brought in Paul Richardson for another deep threat, but they really need Doxon to step up and, and be that number one guy. And I think, yeah, you know, I wouldn't necessarily go out and, and say he's going to be a, a fantasy stud, a 1,300-yard receiver, 10 touchdowns, but I could see him cracking a 1,000 this year and uh, putting up decent touchdown numbers.
1: Last question on the Redskins. Uh, is Jay Gruden on the hot seat?
0: You know, I don't think he is, um, just because for a couple of reasons, I think, uh, you know, they gave him an extension, not just because of that a couple of years ago, uh, because Dan Snyder's has always shown he's willing to fire, but the Redskins have shown a lot of positive stuff these last three years. And have, has it all come together? No. But considering what they've been through in the last 15, 20 years, these last three years are much more positive. I think a lot will depend on Alex Smith. If Alex Smith plays somewhat like he did last year and the Redskins are competitive, then I think he's fine, even if they were to miss the playoffs. But if they're 7-9 and nine with a couple of tough losses, I think he's fine. If they're 8-8, eight and eight, miss the playoffs, or 9-7, and seven, miss the playoffs, I think he's fine. If they go 3-13, and 13, yeah, he's in trouble, um, especially if Alex Smith falters because – you know they they decided to invest heavily in Alex Smith, with trading away Kendall Fuller um, in a pick form and gave him a, a nice big contract. So that would would definitely blow up in in Gruden's face. So if he falters and and they just have a terrible record, then he probably gets fired. But I I feel like as long as they're competitive, even if they miss the playoffs, he gets one more year. Uh, and of course, if he makes the playoffs, he's definitely fine.
1: Right, a couple more questions and we'll, uh, we'll end this, but, uh, I'm always curious. And we, 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 we spoke briefly, you know, on Twitter about, uh, you know, you weren't that far along in the process for 19 yet. I'm I've got a list, but I haven't really started of breaking down. I'm just curious, like, I always like to find out how everybody else's processes are, but what, what is your process for like evaluating these guys
0: for going forward for next year?
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know,
0: I always look at it from a perspective of uh, when I'm watching for the current draft year. I always note guys, and of course, you see, especially, you know, for bigger schools, uh, I definitely find myself leaning to the Alabama guys and the Georgia guys and stuff like that because I watched a lot of them already for for the la- the the previous draft class, and um, yeah, you know, the, the guys who are obviously standouts and. So I've already noted those guys as I watch. I mean, I necessarily wasn't watching them super close um, to get ready for 2018, but I've noted those guys. And then, of course, you you know, the big names. You had Olivers, uh, Bosa. I mean, those guys just stand out whether you watch a lot of Houston or whether you're watching a lot of, um, you know, whatever school may be. So, you know, there I just I, I try and break it down, look at who's, who's draft eligible, of course, uh, focus on, uh, I typically, you know, obviously I'm focusing on all upcoming seniors. Uh, I really focus on redshirt juniors because those guys are in there four years. They're more likely to declare than true juniors or redshirt sophomores. Um, Sometimes I'm, unless it's like a, if it's a redshirt, uh, or I'm sorry, if it's a true junior who's started the first two years or played a significant amount the first two years, then I'll consider them, of course, much more likely to, to come out. Um, so I kind of break it down into those tiers and start watching what I can from their previous seasons. Uh, Some of it is just recapping because, like I said, I've already noted uh, some of the bigger names, especially from the bigger schools, and just getting a better feel for them Um, because that's the one thing I like to get a little bit of a a basis on, say, the top 100, top 150 guys that I kind of get a – have a feeling for right now, and it's definitely going to change, there's no doubt about that, Um, but I want to get a feel for what they are now, and from what I'm going to see from them going forward, because I really, one thing I like is to see growth in players, you know, Um, like when a guy regresses, or a guy doesn't get really any better, that's obviously a concern for me, even if he played at a high level as, say, a junior, in a senior year, you know, he's still at a Good level, but didn't increase, or, or maybe took a slight step back. Is he still draftable? Sure, but I maybe no longer consider him a top 50 guy or a top 75 guy. So I, I try to get a basis for those top 150, 200 guys uh, over the summer, over the course of the summer to get ready for the season. And you know, I, I've definitely noted other guys and, and guys who just seem draftable from their their accolades, their starting time, their size. Um, what I've noted uh, on obviously the packed um, teams from the big programs and just, just kind of try and work it from there and keep massaging the list and, and uh, growing the list as the college football season kicks off and, and gets in through the early months and then then you start looking for those breakout players that guy who didn't play his first two or three years and now is having a great year and you're like oh well this guy you know, might come out or he's a senior and he's finally gotten a shot and I really need to start watching this guy. So you know, it, it's it's a process, uh, as you know, coming up with uh, these lists and and really evaluating players. But um, it, it's definitely a, a labor of love, um, but it's fun, you know. <laughs> and as you know that too, it's just fun to watch football, talk football, and uh, and you know, just see these guys grow and become you know NFL players.
1: Yeah, it is. It is fun. Uh, you talked about regressing. I didn't learn my lesson last year. I, I fell in love with Tavares McFadden, the corner from Florida state. And then he completely just, you know, fell off the cliff this year, but I ignored it and well, ended up getting burned by that. So, but, uh, last question, uh, I met you a few years ago at the Senior Bowl. We talked about that earlier. So everybody that comes down here, I always try to ask them, what's their favorite uh, – what's your favorite place to eat when you come here to Mobile? Because I, I live here in Mobile for people listening oh. that don't know. So I'm um, always curious to, to find find out what people think. Um, oh, you know,
0: I've, I've tried some local places. I can't even remember the names. Um, uh, I mean, Wenzel's is, is good. Uh, oh, boy, there. – there's a couple of other places that I've really liked when I've been down there, but I can I can't remember the uh, the names uh, specifically. But a lot of good food, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I hear that when a lot of people come down here, I always try to introduce people to places that I like, you know, and stuff of that nature. But uh, Steve, uh, tell everybody where where we can find your work.
0: Well, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at, at speak s-t-e-v-e-o-s-p-e-a-k also the at fanspeak account um, somebody else monitors that but uh, you know of course i'm always checking in on that and then uh, you know our site is fanspeak.com and uh, our main tool is the on the clock mock draft simulator Uh, it's a lot of fun we have other tools and we're also continuing to grow the simulator to have more um, hopefully, a more interactive experience, a more informational experience this season. So, look for some upgrades as the season kicks off and and uh, throughout the fall.
1: I can't can't wait to see it, uh, Steve. Hey, I can't thank you enough for joining me today.
0: Oh, absolutely, my pleasure, Brian. All right, thanks
1: a lot. That was Steve Schaub, the uh, honcho over at Fanspeak, uh, the mock simulator. Everybody, I mean everybody. If you if you or a fan of the draft, if you're a fan of your team's draft, if you are in draft media, if you're in NFL media, everybody uses Fanspeak to simulate, uh, to see how the draft outcomes, everybody, uh, all your main players submit their top 300 lists to Fanspeak. your Matt Miller at Bleacher Report, others that, uh, your other major Dane Brugler from CBS, uh, in the, uh, well, I guess it's no longer NDT scouting, but Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, both of their big boards were on there a year ago, um, as well as mine uh, from Deep Fried Drafts. So everybody, you can go there, simulate the drafts. Um, and last year they even did it where, like, after each round or after each day you could go in and um, simulate a team's draft to get a feel of what may be available in the next couple of days. So it was good stuff. And, uh, like I said, I can't recommend, recommend it enough as far as a tool for everybody to use. Uh, if you, for the, during draft season, it's, it's awesome stuff. And I want to thank Steve for joining me today, but, uh, that's going to do it for uh, this edition of the cheapest meal presented by deep fried draft. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at deep fried draft. Um, Find everything that I do at deepfrieddraft.com and uh, more. Again, thanks, Steve Schaup Fanspeak, for joining us today. Uh, until next time, thanks, everybody, for listening.